Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. On C103. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, we're all being warned to wrap up warm this week because it looks like there's a bit of a cold spell on the way. We could see temperatures particularly overnight going as low as minus three degrees uh, Celsius. The cold snap will bring sleet, possible showers of even snow, but that's going to be mainly on higher ground. And obviously with the cold spell, the HSC are already out warning people to layer up their clothes and to keep as warm as uh, possible. Now, Miss Aaron are predicting the possibility of wintery showers Showers hitting parts of the country from tomorrow night, Tuesday. Uh, it'll start tomorrow evening, Tuesday evening, and then overnight, a band of rain is expected to move in from the Atlantic. Now, that will turn wintry, particularly on hills and higher grounds, and temperatures fall, will fall close to freezing. And current indications, according to Met Erin, are suggesting cold weather for Wednesday and Thursday bringing showers of rain, hail and sleet. It'll turn progressively colder as the week goes on and some snow is possible. Now they're initially saying in the north in uh, Ulster but they're also forecasting it on higher ground uh, further south. And then the remainder of the week, Thursday looks to be another chilly uh, day even though there will be plenty of sunshine. And current indications are suggesting a good deal of dry and bright weather, uh, but it'll be cold, cold northerly airflow for Friday and for the weekend uh, ahead. So get those winter woolies out because we haven't really been using them. Uh, it has been relatively mild and we've all been uh, welcoming that. John Paul's taking your calls 0818 I can really see your texts coming in and WhatsApps. We welcome them 0862 Now, if ever we need it, our spirits lifted as a nation. Uh, It was after last week. I mean, there was such an air of doom and gloom and sadness on Friday following the events that happened on Thursday, starting with that horrific stabbing of those innocent little children. And then, of course, that led to rioting and looting on our capital streets. And there was just an air of we need some good news. And I can tell you across this weekend, we got it on many fronts. To me, the highlight of the weekend has got to be when I heard that Emily Hand had been reunited with her dad, uh, Thomas. She had been held hostage for 50 days by uh, uh, Hamas and uh, she made it back safely to uh, Israel. And that video yesterday of her being united and running into the embrace of her father, I mean, it was just such an emotional reunion. And then there was video footage of her meeting with her older sister and you could see the, the effect that it's all having. I mean, there was joy on her face but you could also still see there's an element of fear and I think shock on the little girl's uh, face. I mean I know her her dad said 
She's doing remarkably uh, well. She's lost a bit of weight, which you would expect. They obviously weren't being fed uh, properly, but you just, you worry, don't you, about the psychological aspect to it. But we know that all the help and support that she will need, she will get. But it was just so joyful because the entire nation, I think, knew the name of Emily Hand and because of her dad's uh, being an Irishman and, and he'd been born in this uh, country, everybody was just rooting and hoping that uh, Thomas would get Emily back because remember when the initial attack happened by Hamas on the 7th of October, in the following days after that, we had those really, really heartbreaking interviews that Thomas gave where he was led to believe that Emily had been killed uh, on the initial uh, attack and that he was, he, you know, punched the air and said, great, because he dreaded the thought of his beautiful daughter being in the hands of the uh, terrorists. And then, of course, there was no DNA found and then they realised that, no, she's possibly still alive and then there was no confirmation if she was alive. So even when they were releasing the hostages, we never knew for sure whether Emily was going to be one of them or not. So it was really, really fantastic. And we wish them nothing but peace and joy for the rest of their lives. And then on Friday night, we uh, certainly had uh, another very, very joyful occasion we had Patrick Keelty with his first ever toy show and certainly for me it was a huge huge success. Did you enjoy it? Did you sit down and watch it? Were you watching it with smallies? And I think because over the last number of years I haven't had smallies in which to watch uh, the late late uh, toy show. I was getting a bit tired of it. I mightn't stick around till the very end or I might be flicking around other channels at the same time. Have to say, I turned it on at half past nine on Friday night and I stayed there until the credits rolled at midnight and I wasn't expecting uh, to do that. And of course, yet again, the generosity of the Irish people coming to the fore and I think this was going to be a test as well for Patrick to see how much money uh, would be raised because it's a number of years ago that they started launching the Toy Show uh, charity appeal at 3.1 million and counting and that's for good causes that goes to children's uh, charities it's a a wonderful, wonderful charity where the people of Ireland contribute uh, every year but when you sit and reflect on last Friday's Late Late Toy Show For me, it was the children were the real uh, stars. I mean, what amazing, talented young people we have from, you know, the singers, the dancers, the musicians. They were incredible. And then the wonderful, chatty little children who were demonstrating the toys. And I wonder, do you agree with me? Shamey from Kilfenora in County Clare with his little mullet haircut, uh, to me, was the real star of the show. And you get the feeling that Shamey, that's not the last we're going to see of uh, Shamey. Very, very funny uh, little man. Uh, it was lovely for me from start uh, to finish. Mary's already been on saying, good morning, Patricia. Oh, sorry, that's not Mary. John. Joan, my apologies, different text here in front of me. Joan in Ryland said the Late Late Choice Show was simply the best. Enjoyed every moment of it. Huge congratulations to all of the participants, but in particular the, pa- the host, Patrick Keelty. Season's greetings to all at C103. Thank you for that, uh, Joan. And we're feeling very festive because today is our first day playing Christmas tunes, which I'm particularly delighted about. So Toy Show gave us a bit of a lift. And then while I openly spoke about last week I can't watch uh, ladies boxing what an awesome win for Katie Taylor and those that are into boxing watched it and said it was an incredible match those were lucky enough to have tickets and go see her at the three arena 
But I think Patrick Hoare in the Examiner today uh, puts it really well. Just 48 hours after the nation was at its lowest ebb with horrific violence against children made worse by wanton thuggery, Ireland needed something to once again spark our national pride. Yet again, Katie Taylor did just that on her uh, sports greatest uh, stage and it was uh, a great win. As I say, I just, and I spoke about it last week, I just can't watch girls uh, boxing and to see her, bless her heart, her little face the following day and the bruising on her eyes and the bruising on her uh, cheek. But, you know, she loves to do uh, what, she, uh, what she does. And the, I'd say they were, both girls were barely in the shower cleaning up after the event and there was already t- talks of a third match against uh, Chantelle Cam- Cameron and, of course, straight away all of the focus going on what Katie Taylor has always dreamed of doing and that's having a major fight in uh, Croke Park because of course if they hold it in Croke Park so many more people would be able uh, to attend a match room there the crowd who organise it they had already been in negotiations to try to hire uh, Croke Park, but that all fell by the uh, wayside. Um, and one of the reasons that Matchroom said, you know, that it wasn't working with Croke Park was that Croke Park was three times more expensive than them securing Wembley Arena. And much of the dispute is to do with the fact that the stadium uh, director says that the the real issue is the security costs and Croke Parkfield, the promoter, should carry the costs for the security, not the stadium. And I know uh, boxing present boxing promoter Eddie Eddie Hearn, who promotes Katie Taylor, said he will do everything in his power to secure Croke Park as a venue for a possible rematch and it would be the rematch again against uh, Cameron uh, next year. So your thoughts on that? Would you like to see Katie Taylor uh, fight in Croke Park? And they are saying that if they if they were able to secure Croke Park, then tens of thousands of €30 euro tickets would be able to go on show which would mean that people who perhaps can't afford more expensive tickets would be able to go along uh, as well but as I say they're already talking about that but that was another great lift for the nation and then the final lift for the nation uh, for me was uh, Dubliner Patrick Lynch he won the 2023 Booker Prize for his novel Prophet Song with judges describing it as soul shattering and a triumph and he is of course the fifth Irish winner an Irish author to win the award it's worth uh, 60,000 euro it's been won previously by Dame Iris Murdoch John Bandville won it of course Roddy Doyle has won it and Anne Enright has won it and this is Paul Lynch's fifth novel, Prophet Song, and it's a tale of a tyrannical government. And it's about a mother of four working as a scientist whose husband is taken away by the newly formed Irish secret police. Paul Lynch describes it as being informed by the sense of liberal democratic uh, slide and how what's happening with the far right and the rise of the far right in this uh, country. And he's kind of foretelling what could happen in this book. And it is meant to be an absolutely terrific read. So I kind of wasn't surprised when I heard last night that 
that he had won the Booker Prize. So congratulations to Dubliner Paul Lynch. So as I say, a lot of things to celebrate at the weekend. And by God, we needed our spirits lift. Yvonne is on. She enjoyed it as well. And I, if I was at home, I would have been dancing around the kitchen. So I hope that cheered up so many people this morning. It really was uh, gorgeous. Uh, Teresa says, hi, a Patricia, lovely choice of song. I think so as well. And I have to uh, thank Simon, who puts our music uh, together here. He knows that I love that song and he always makes a point to making sure he slots it in as the first, my first Christmas song of the year. And I really do appreciate it. Now, still some commentary coming in on the toy show. Yes, I watched the toy show. I've no smallies as my excuse. Instead, I worked through the ironing, which was all neat and starched by the end of the show. I felt very productive and I enjoyed the show too. Uh, well done. Well done. Hi, Patricia. I take my hat off to Patrick Keelty. I watched the toy show on Friday night. I really enjoyed it. Patrick was absolutely great with the children. And I especially loved how we focused on children with special needs being involved in the toy show this year. Well done, Patrick Kilty. And it's from Bernice in the city. Thank you for that, Bernice. And I suppose he has small children himself, so he's very comfortable with them. I think that uh, that helps. And Anthony says she, he watched the toy uh, show. Um, sorry, no, where's that one gone? Here's Anthony's one saying, thought the toy show was amazing. Uh, Shamie from County Clare was absolutely great. And Sophia getting the surprise being brought up there at the end and that was the little girl who was on uh, well uh, the music everything about it it was fantastic and that is from Anthony thank you for that 0818103103 wonderful prize to give away prizes to give away should I say every day this week the everyman's favourite traditional family pantos returning Beauty and the Beast I love Beauty and the Beast and it's on from Saturday the 2nd of December and to celebrate the everyman have teamed up with the Leisureplex to give you a fun, festive family day out. So what we're offering every day this week is a family pass for four to see Beauty and Beast uh, at the Everyman on Saturday the 9th of December. Plus, we're also giving you a family pass for four to go bowling at the Leisureplex on McCurtain Street. You can get more details about the panto on everymancork.com. Uh, com. And I'll let you know later on on the programme when it's your opportunity to text or WhatsApp us and your chance to win. But that is a daily prize of the Family Pass, both to the Panto and to uh, Leisureplex. And thanks to all the gang at the Everyman for that. So how often do we hear people bemoan the loss of the councilman with the shovel who knew every dike and every ditch in his area, which many people felt led then to less flooding and subsequent damage to our road network. Elected councillors are also concerned about the lack of sufficient outdoor staff. And members of the West Cork Municipal District even went so far as to threaten to veto the annual budget unless there are more boots on the ground. West Cork Councillor Joe Carroll of Fianna Fáil uh, joins me with his views on this. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Patricia. And you? I, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. I suppose talk numbers to me first. How many outdoor staff do you have in your own area and how would you? How does that compare to previous years? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, well, um, Patricia, let's put it this way now. I think we are supposed to have a total of 374 outdoor staff. And that's now down around 340 due to sick leave and due to people's positions not being filled and other things like that. But uh, I don't know, that's not where I'm actually coming from at all. I'm coming from the point of that I was a member of Skibreen UDC. And that was abolished in the uh, Skibreen Town Council was abolished in 2014. Yeah. And when... The town councils were abolished. We were promised, it was a populist move by a minister at the time, but we were promised at the time that we'd certainly be getting the same services 
continue to, to continue on. Now, in Skibreen at that point in time, there was five men employed in the town with a foreman. There is no particular men allotted to Skibreen right now. There are, there are different men that are there for the, for the entire area. We might have a man in town some weeks, but that man can also be found in Ross Carvey, could be found in Lip, could be found anywhere. So we we're definitely like it's, you can clearly see it in the, the state of the streets, see it in the state of of, of the, the approaches to the towns, and it's it, it's something that, that we we've been complaining about this for the last four or five budgets, and threatening uh, the, the budgets from time to time and being promised in or oh, you'll have more people on the ground, but it never seems to happen. And as I said, now we we're, we're certainly making a stronger protest this year. We certainly want more people on the ground. There's a. Uh, our road and uh, drains, like you mentioned, drains there will go. This is where it's all going wrong. Drains being, we, we complete and resurface the road. And then you see after a week or two where the water is flowing freely down the road, coming out of the drain that's blocked up the side of the road. And after a couple of years, then that road disintegrates and the, the road has to be gone or done, tore up and done again. So that's where we're falling down. Now, Two or three weeks ago, when we were discussing the budget, I think there was a motion in from uh, Tony O'Shea from North Cork, which is something that I've been saying in West Cork for many years, about having mobile crews. Now, I've been looking for mobile crews in West Cork because, in my honest opinion, the day of the men in the village with the, with the wheelbarrow, the shovel, and the brush, uh, their, their those days are long gone. And I think what you should have is a mobile crew based in each and some of the towns where they would... Um, you would have... You'd have what do you call it? Uh, you'd have a crew leaving, uh, arriving, and and then from work one in the morning, they would get a list of villages to Carter during the week, and a list of blockages and roads here and there every week, and then they would drive around, and uh, that's and, and also maybe these fellows would be qualified to operate a mini digger. We'll have to move with the times, and then we'll have to have more people on the ground. And I think that we sh- we definitely do need more. Um, yeah, more. I, and I think your, your numbers are interesting. I mean, when you were talking about um, you had five outdoor staff and a foreman, so that's six. Was yeah. yeah, so, so you, 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 had, you had six. And I'm sure that was probably replicated across the county in other uh, major towns. And, and there, the numbers, there the numbers we're not seeing, as you say. I mean, the, the council talk about the full complement being 374, but we've got 20 vacancies. There's nine people out sick. They're talking about yeah. another person due to retire. So it's down around three, uh, four, five. Are some of the, those workers, will they also be moving to Ishkairan or have they moved to Ishkairan? There's a, a lot of the workers are gone. To, they were being seconded to Ishkairan, but I, I think that's all sorted out now. But I don't, know how much, I don't know how many of these names, were, well, these figures we're using right now. But to put it in the proper context, Patricia, the council has a staff of 2,500. Yeah. Now, I, I think 370 or 360 or 350 outdoor staff, it's, it's not a proper ratio. Out, out, out of 2,500. No, 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 yeah. I don't think so. No, no, no. You see, we're, we're, we're a very big county and we have three divisions. We're an actual fact, we're, we're similar in size to, to, to three, three average size counties. And we're not, you know, like, this is one of my main cries. And I had no slight to pass to, uh, to our executive or anything like that because they're doing the very best they can with their funding. But I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that we're not getting uh, uh, proper funding from central government for Cork County. And and you've you've hit the nail on the head and it's something we've addressed on this programme countless times because of the size of our county and we have more roads to look after than any other county in the country. We should be given more staff. We should be given more funding. 
Well, sir, look, there's a, where this is coming from, there's a bit of a belief that's going back to the war time that Cork County was penalised for its, uh, for its side it was taking at the time. Ah, it can't be that. A <laughs> hundred years on, it can't be that. Well, I believe it was never it was never corrected to the proper tune. But anyway, uh, we, will, we will leave that for the moment. But I can tell you that, um, no, the size of Cork County and with the, with the amount of roads and roads and roads we have all over the place in East Cork, West Cork and North Cork, we, we are certainly not getting enough central money from the central government. And as and, uh, elected representatives, are you constantly hearing from your constituents about potholes and the state of the roads in, in particular areas? I mean, is that just an ongoing complaint that you it get? Never stopped. That yeah. never stops, Patricia. That never stops. You'll get a phone, you'll get 10 phone calls a day, maybe at times, from different people saying, what are you going to do with the state of our road down the road place? What are you going to do with the potholes at this day? What about my car? What about, the, you know, all these things? And people have a right, and we are the, we are the frontline people. They are the, we are the people that want to ring, and they will do it, and they'll call us, and they'll, um, they'll, they'll but we are horse. Now, I, I will have to say that the engineering staff and the staff we have, the work they do, with, with what they have, with what, they, with what they're provided with. They do outstanding work, and they, they do, and they, they get a lot of roads done that we don't expect them to get them done, and they can get them up to the proper map. But as the maintenance of these roads after, yeah. that we have to... We, we have and to that have goes back to having outdoor staff in, in, a, in a particular area. And the annual budget meeting is today, isn't it? It is indeed, okay, it is right. indeed. And, uh, do you think it'll be an, will it be an interesting one? It'll be interesting, I'm sure, but we're certainly going to put up a strong case for more outdoor staff, whether whether they can afford this business or not. Obviously, some other part of our, our budget will suffer. It just it just has to happen. But I'm certainly thinking it's 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 a costly. We're losing money by not having outdoor staff. Yeah, it's a false economy. It's a false economy because, as you say, the roads eventually start to crumble and a bigger job has to be done. Okay, listen, um, uh, we'll wait with interest to see what comes out from the annual budget meeting today. But, Joe, thank you for taking time out to talk to us. No problem. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Councillor Joe Carroll. uh, from West uh, Cork and that annual budget uh, meeting taking place at County Hall. The meeting meeting will consider the draft budget prepared by the Chief Executive which will be necessary to meet the expenses and provide for the financial liabilities and requirements for the coming year. Will more money be allocated to outdoor staff? Only time will tell. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Connor in Clonakilty was on. He agrees with Councillor Joe Carroll. Uh, Connor says, I think people forget about what the town councils did. Everybody wanted them abolished, but a few years ago uh, they went. Then people gave out about footpaths being broken, roads not being maintained, no Christmas lights. Another example with businesses in town now having to fundraise for them. Yeah, that's what happened to Clonakilty. So while there was always issues with road repairs and footpaths, they actually increased when the town councils disappeared. So uh, Connor is bemoaning the loss of our town councils. Tommy and Mitchell's says Joe Carroll is right. Cork is too big to be allocated an amount of the size of the county. Smaller counties get similar sums of money so it's no wonder their roads are in better repair than ours. Something needs to be done. Now residents of Shannavale in Clonakilty have been complaining about the leaking sewerage system. They've been complaining now for over 25 years and one local resident is so frustrated that he's pledged to stand for election to the council next June to see if that could get the problem uh, fixed. That resident is Barry O'Mahony uh, who joins me this morning. 
Good morning to you, Barry. Hi, Patricia. And, uh, well, you're very welcome to the programme. Can you start by outlining to people the problems that you and others in your area are having and how it's affecting people locally? Absolutely, yeah. I, I'll just I'll set the record straight on one thing first because I'd be lynched otherwise. Um, I, I, I grew up in Shannonvale and we were living there till about two years ago. We're living, I'm living in Lissavard now, but um, I, I'm still very much stuck in the campaign in okay. Shannonvale because it, it's something that... It, it actually affects a far wider area than, both, than just Shannonvale. Okay. Um, so what, what we have going on up there is there's um, an old sewage treatment system there uh, that was installed sometime in the 1970s by Cork County Council. And the percolation area for that to the soak away, um, where, where the effluent should break down, dissolve into the soil and return as clean water, um, has completely collapsed. It's failed. It, it's been rammed down. It's compacted earth now, so nothing can soak away. So what you have is a situation where there's raw sewage rising to the surface in an area that was supposed to be designated as a community park, uh, the only recreational area in the, in the village. Uh, so obviously that in itself is, is a horrible issue. There's two generations of children after growing up now since this problem started who've had nowhere to play in that village. But more worryingly, that is less than 20 feet from the Aragadine River, which is the source of drinking water for Clonakilty, Ross Carberry, Rossmore, Rena Screena, all of that catchment area. And we've even seen times this summer during the heavy rainfall where the amount of runoff into the river drove the bacterial levels so high in the water that Ishtar, and I should call them now, actually shut off the water supply to Clonakilty and surrounding areas because the treatment plant couldn't keep up with the, um, the state of the water. Wow, so it is affecting a much wider area than just the local residents. Yeah, and, that, and that's the point of us trying to get on radio. No, I'm not saying that the water isn't safe to drink in your house or anything. I don't want to be a scaremonger. Um, and I don't want anyone thinking that they can't have a cup of tea and coffee in, in Clonakilty or Oscarby. That's not the case. The water is filtered by the time it comes out of the tap. But there are times where it gets so bad, they actually have to shut off the water supply. Now, if you're running a business in that area and, and, and you are in hospitality or whatever, you need to have a supply of clean water. You know, it can't be just shut on and off like that. Households were left on numerous occasions with zero notice that their water was being cut uh, off. I remember, I remember well, because we, 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 whenever there's a water outage, we'll always get calls in uh, from, from some people. And obviously, for, for, for people living, I mean, it seems dreadful that children can't play, play in a play area. Is the smell particularly bad, Barry? Well, I used to live in the house two doors up from that park. And during the summertime, the smell from that, you may as well be sitting in your septic tank. Uh, oh. we, couldn't open, we couldn't open windows all summer um, because your flies, obviously, uh, midges, mosquitoes, blue bottles and everything, landing on that surface and then they're coming in your kitchen window, they're landing on your countertops, your food. I mean, these are these are the sort of um, conditions that you see on ads on TV where they're fundraising for somewhere in sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. In this day and age, with the facilities we have, there is no excuse for it. Okay, now Iska Aaron are now responsible for all uh, wastewater. So the council yep. will say, look, nothing, no, no, not, nothing to see here because you definitely can see and smell it. But n- not our concern anymore. It's Iska Aaron. Have residents engaged with Iska Aaron? Have they told you anything, timelines of when something might be done? Um, sorry, I'm, I'm just going to laugh to myself there at that. I, 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 to be honest, I think I'm probably, I'd say there's a dark board with my face on it in the head <laughs> office of Iska Aaron at this point. Um, because myself and a small committee that we got together lately have been harassing them non-stop for a few years now at this point to try and get answers. In fairness, they're getting more transparent as time goes on. 
um, and with, with every name change from County Council Water Services Division to Irish Water to Ishgaran, there does seem to be an increase in transparency, to be fair. We are getting more information out of them, um, but but not, not very easily or very willingly all the same. But there seems to be less and less accountability because we've even had uh, Minister Dara O'Brien apparently even called Shanvale lately. I'm sure he can't even get the ball rolling and he's, he's supposed to be one of the ministers responsible for it. And but, this, uh, this has gone beyond a repair. This is a new sewage the, treatment the, system. The solution is very simple and Cork County Council themselves actually proposed it. They need a pumping unit on site just to basically bypass the old failed um, percolation area. Yeah. There needs to be a pipe that just runs across the bridge. I mean, there's already an Irish water, water main going across that bridge. There just needs to be a pipe from the pump to go across the bridge and then it connects up the Clonakilty main sewage team is actually operating in the other half of the village, just across the river. They literally just need to pump it that far. It, it's less than 500 metres. Um, we, we've been fobbed off with numerous excuses over the years. Like, we were told that it was a funding issue first, but we know for a fact that last year, Irish or Ishgaran had an operating profit of over €225 million. Euros, That's so it's right. not a funding issue. Yeah. Um, they, then they bought up some engineering concerns they had based on the plans that the council had drawn up. And one of those plans, one of those concerns was that there was a river crossing involved. Despite the fact that their own water main already crosses that river through the very same road and bridge that the council were proposing for the sewage main. I mean, anyone with an engineering degree would be able to dismiss any of those concerns that they had. The, the, the crux of the issue, to be honest with you, Patricia, is something that we're seeing in Clannacilty. You're seeing it in Dunmanway. You're even seeing it in Ross Carberry to some extent. The end of the, the end point sewage treatment plant, like the main sewage treatment plant in Clannacilty, for example, is totally undersized. So the Ishgaran will fight and fight and fight to not connect anything to it. Um, when the one in Clannacilty was built, they were so long, well, this is back in the council era, they were so long at the drawing board stage that by the time it was built, it was already undersized for the houses that had been built in the meantime. So they're, they're constantly chasing their team playing catch-up. We've got houses delayed in Dunmanway as well for the same reason. The tr- treatment plant there can't keep up. There's constant concerns in Oscarbury about another sewage leak happening off the Warren, like last summer. I mean, that could devastate the tourism businesses down there. And it's all because the, the sewage treatment facilities that and have are entirely inadequate and they will not spend the money to upscale and upgrade them. And, they, and, they, and, and you're right, they are delaying houses being built and that's been reflected um, all over the country. There is an amazing photograph, Barry, of you in, I think it's this week's Southern Star. You're holding a newspaper article of your dad's. Just explain the background to that photograph, what so, that photograph shows. I suppose the locals in Shannonville became aware of the issue around 1997. They were doing a big effort to kind of clean up the area and everything ahead of, you see, um, Shannon Vale was one of the, I think, actually the only site in Munster where there was an uprising in 1798. Okay. Um, and so they, they wanted to commemorate that for, in 1998 for the 200-year celebrations. And um, they were going to a lot of effort to clean up the village, and they wanted to redo the park and make it nice and really pleasant place to have big festival events on during uh, the 98 commemorations. And there was always a kind of a boggy patch in the corner over there. Um, but when they went to investigate it, they realised it wasn't just waterlogged, it was sewage. Um, so my father took a pipe glass from the local pub, literally laid it down in the grass and scooped it up, and he had a glass of raw sewage there. Mm. The, the examiner took a photo of that. 25 years later, I was able to take the exact same photo because the situation has It's changed. incredible. That's, it's incredible. It's, it's, yeah. In a set of, set of wellies wading through that. 
And I mean, it's, it's but that's what it is. Issues, it's you know? it's actually taken from from the oh, ground. Yeah. yeah, this isn't dug. We didn't dig a hole or anything for this. Like if it's in, you literally just lay a glass on the ground in the grass, and it will fill of its own accord. Yeah, oh, there's, there's, after heavy rain, there could be five to six inches of rainwater diluted raw sewage. That's not fair. It's not fair on local people. It, it really isn't. Will, yeah. will will you run as an independent candidate in in the local elections? I will, yeah, um, and that, that's one thing I want to say as well, actually. That photograph, I, I must send some more photos into the star because any time I mention they use the same one. Um, it starts to look like I'm a single-issue candidate, but I'm not. Obviously, I'm the, the, the Shannonvale issue is something I'm very passionate about because I suppose I was the last generation of children that got to play football in that green, and after that, everyone else has missed out on it because of that disgrace. Um, but uh, just to compliment Councillor Carol there that was on just before me, um, and it's not too often I compliment Fianna Fáil, but um, Councillor Carroll has spoken many times and fought on Shannonvale's behalf, as has Councillor Paul Hayes. Um, but also what Councillor Carroll said about the, the staff on the ground is a massive issue throughout West Cork. You can see it everywhere. And again, it's this lack of joined up thinking. I think he even, I'm not sure how he phrased it, but he was making the same point. Stuff needs to be done ahead of time. Drains need to be sealed yeah. ahead of time. Yeah. When a pothole forms, it should be sealed straight away, not when it scumbles. Like, I... A perfect example, if you're, if you're in Clannacilty and you're driving out the Western Road, uh, when they built the new park here, housing estate there, they did a great job on that and fair play to the council for it. They resurfaced all the road then to repair the damage from the heavy machinery. They relined it. But they didn't continue on the 20 metres up the road to replace the markings on the roundabout and resurface that, which had been dilapidated and run down for two years beforehand. It's this lack of cop on, you know, because the decisions are being made in offices in County Hall. And they're not talking to the men on the ground. Like, we have some fantastic council workers in Clon, Ross, Dunmanway, and Skibbereen. But there's so few of them, and they're worked to the bone. And there seems to be no communication between them and the guys above them, you know. There's decisions made, the lads on the ground are deployed. They're seeing issues, and they're trying to feed it back, but it's not going anywhere. There's no one listening to them. So, yeah, mean, you see, that's why I think what Joe outlined back in the day when you'd have the outdoor staff and you'd have a foreman. It'd be yep. somebody living locally more than likely. Uh, so he'd make the decisions then because he would know uh, what would need to be done and the workers would be listening to other people and people would be able to meet somebody on the street and say there's an issue there and it would get sorted. OK, listen, yeah, I have so to leave it there. <clears throat> Uh, keep us updated, Barry, if you hear from uh, Ishka Aaron. Um, and I really do hope you get this this uh, sorted out because it just seems incredible that you were able to replicate something your dad did over 25 years ago and nothing has changed. But listen, thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That is uh, Barry O'Mahony, formerly formerly a resident of uh, Shannavale, but feeling so strongly about local issues is going to run in the local elections as an independent councillor next uh, year. Talking of Christmas, we really are going to try and help you out over the coming weeks because we're giving away super value gift cards now worth a total of €5,000 this is the C103's Christmas covered we've done it on previous years we're doing it again this year we're asking you to listen out from next Monday you'll be texting or WhatsApping in and then answering a simple Christmas question and your chance to win a €500 Euro festive 
shopping spree and we have 10 in total. We'll have 10 winners in total. That's Christmas covered with super value gift cards perfect for every occasion. Now they are available in store. You can get them online for e-gift cards and then they can be sent with a personal message. You simply search super value gift uh, cards but your chance to win with C103's Christmas covered and we're kicking that off next Monday. Make sure you are tuned our way. Some of your thoughts and comments coming in. Oh thank you to Sheila when I started playing the Christmas songs, Sheila says, I can't let the year pass without asking my usual question. How's your Christmas cactus doing at C103? Is it still alive? It must be going there now for 15 years or more. Happy Christmas to all, says uh, Sheila. And I saw John Paul obviously saw the text as well. And he was up in the canteen taking a picture of our resplendent Christmas cactus. It is just gorgeous. We have the one that's there the longest is the deep cerise pink one. And I'd have to check. John Paul is kind of the the keeper of all the, the news and the history. It probably is there more than 15 years it was Michael Brett, a previous manager, who brought it into the building. And then when he left us for pastures new, he left his Christmas cactus uh, with us. And then Bernie brought in a white Christmas cactus, which we have beside it. And we literally don't move it. They are left on the windowsill in the canteen and it's a nice sunny window and I always think that is the key to a Christmas cactus. If it finds a nice home, then don't touch it. Leave it alone. And it's just, it's the colour and the shape of the flowers. They're just beautiful. Now I know for the rest of the year it can look a bit ugly looking. They're not the the best looking plants for the rest of the year but by God when they flower coming up to Christmas and they run up to Christmas they really are gorgeous. I'll get I'll see if, in fact John Paul was taking photographs of it. He might put it up on uh, social media for us. But thank us, thank you, Sheila, for remembering our Christmas cactus. It is still alive and well. Can anybody help Vera, please? Vera is looking for an Odlum's gluten-free flour. Now, I've never heard the name of this before, but it is, I think it's Tritamil, is that how you pronounce it? T-R-I-T-A-M-Y-L. Tritamil, gluten-free flour. She's not able to find it anywhere. I did a quick Google search on it for you, uh, Vera, during the news there and I'm trying to see is it on sale anywhere I'm seeing it's come up now with a lot of English supermarkets and they're all saying out of stock so I'm wondering is it gone I'll see if we can find out but if anybody else has spotted it Tritamil gluten-free flour it's made by Odlums has anybody seen it in the supermarket are our others like our Avira having problems getting it 0818103103 now some of your thoughts coming in to the programme hi Patricia I'm a great fan of yours thank you for that and I listen every morning but I'm actually upset this morning that you are referring to people like me as being far right. And I'd stop and think and say, when did I mention far right? And then I realised it was the Booker, Booker Prize I was talking about. And it's about, a, it's like it's a novel, but it's kind of a, a dystopia uh, country. And it's looking at the rise of the far right and what would happen if that happened in the, in Ireland. And, and, you know, looking into the future and how the far right could take over and then what society would look like. That's the basis of the particular book called Profit, which has just won the uh, Booker Prize. And it, when I was talking about as I mentioned, the rise of the far right. Anyway, this sister is upset by that because this sister says, I'm far from far right, I can assure you. I'm far right though because I'm entitled to an opinion of what's going on in my country. The government are blaming everyone except themselves. Patricia, I have long believed we should have a holding area 
in every airport and in every port uh, that people arrive into without papers. They should be held in these holding areas instead of putting them out into society when we don't know who they are. And because of that, many people are scared stiff, particularly where I live in Killarney. I'm afraid to go out after dark and I'm worried about my children. They're all grown up, but I worry about them. I'm worried about my grandchildren. I'm 70 years of age, Patricia. Thanks be to God. I'm going out of this world and not coming into it, which is awful as it may sound. Ireland is no longer my beloved uh, country. Yeah, and somebody else has a similar uh, kind of a view. Anthony in Crosshaven says, I think when people say far right, they need to separate those who have concerns and those who are actually very much far right leaning. My closest friends are those who came to live in this country from overseas. But I do have concerns, said Anthony, at the intake of those coming into Ireland in the last number of weeks and months. And in particular, that we as a country, we don't have the services to provide for the additional people who are coming here. So, for example, we've got GPs are full. We know we've got a housing crisis. We need to sort out those issues before anybody dares to seek to come here to live and work in this country. This is a there is a big difference between someone who is far right and a person who is simply concerned that the country's services are under pressure. Also, with so many undocumented arriving into Ireland, we have men and women who are living in fear, fear of walking around their own towns at night and issues like that uh, need to be uh, addressed. And yeah, I, and I'm, I'm sorry, particularly to that listener in Killarney, that she took offence to what I said. I am talking about a rise in the far right and there is a very worrying rise in the far right. And, you know, Anthony in Crosshaven is right. There, there are two very different groups. There are groups who have a leaning, very much leaning towards the far right. And then there are people who just have uh, genuine concerns. But I suppose what happened with the riots um Thursday night when very much there was this far right anti-immigrant view that was fueling a lot of it and a lot of the chants, you know, get them out and send them home and all of that. And that placed so much fear on very, very genuine Irish people who just happen to have been born in a different country, but they're here, they're living here, they're Irish, they're proud uh, to call Ireland their home. Many of them took out, you know, citizenship because they want to be uh, Irish. And to hear people say that they were afraid to go to work in Dublin on Friday, to hear businesses say they had to close because a lot of their workers are immigrant uh, workers. They can't get Irish people to do the jobs. Immigrant workers are taking up the flack for a lot of those uh, jobs and to hear businesses having to close. And that saddened me that we could live in a country that we don't welcome everyone. Yes, I accept that there is a huge, huge worry about undocumented people, people who are coming in and we don't know where they're coming from. And that is a completely uh, separate issue. But unfortunately, when we go down the route of talking about immigration and talking about uh, undocumented people, Everyone who comes from a different country, everyone who's got a different coloured skin, a different accent, anyone who wasn't born in this country or whose parents weren't born in this country, all get tired with the one brush. And that's where you get the rise of that lunatic fringe of the far right. And that's what I fear uh, the most. But yes, people are absolutely right uh, to have to uh, have concerns. And then just on the rioting. Somebody by WhatsApp said, Patricia, it's the leniency of the law that is making our judicial system a a joke both here and abroad. Most of those who were remanded in custody, who were arrested following the riots on 
Thursday night and were before the courts on fr- Friday. Most of them were granted €200 bail and warned to keep out of Dublin 1 or Dublin 2 until after their next court date. It's time for severe punishment to be imposed on anyone found responsible for the antisocial behaviour that we witnessed as was demonstrated in Dublin. Those perpetrators are probably high on dangerous substance. Anyone also who's found guilty should be tested and if they test positive for drugs they should be banned from ever applying for social welfare into the future. The punishment needs to fit the crime uh, in order to act as a deterrent for what are senseless uh, thugs. And I know Helen McEntee as the Minister for Justice is coming in for a lot of stick at the moment as is uh, the government saying that they didn't act fast enough on Friday night and one thing that is being spoken about uh, today is the government fast tracking and expanding what is seen as controversial and that is the facial recognition technology and I know civil rights groups are all against facial recognition technology. I always feel and you know I'm I'm an advocate to protect all of our our civil rights. But I, you know, you can put me uh, onto any camera that you like and use facial recognition technology to say, oh, there's one of the messengers who works in C103. Because if you have nothing to hide, surely you have nothing to fear from facial recognition technology. And it seems if the Gardaí had access to this facial recognition technology, that would reduce the amount of time that the Gardaí are currently now spending thralling to the CCTV footage to make sure that the thugs and the criminals who created so much destruction in Dublin last Thursday night are brought to justice as soon as possible. Whereas if they had facial recognition technology, which is used in other parts of the world, then they would be able to do that a matter of days in some cases and even a matter of weeks. And instead, they've got to thrall through it clip by clip and see if they can identify anyone. And that is the one way we need to make sure that our Gardaí have the technology and whatever they need to have in order to deal with these thugs and criminals who were responsible for what happened in Dublin uh, last Thursday. 0818 103 103. Uh, We were also talking about, uh, just on that, uh, Pat's been on saying that lady is 100% correct. We we should be holding people at the airport, but so many come into this country with no passport. Surely it's just a 10-minute job to bring them to a holding area in, in the airport and check they had to have a passport getting on the plane, do a background check at that stage because of that the country is getting overloaded. 0818103103 and just on the condition of our roads and what we were talking about with Councillor Joe Carroll, do we need more councillor, council men, outdoor staff in every town, city and uh, village. Uh, Joe, somebody says, Joe Carroll is spot on. Bring back the man with the shovel. And that's from a gentleman who was an ex-councilman and whether he was one of the men with the shovel once upon a time now in his 70s and he says that sort of system does work. And Jerry in Bandon says, I travel from Dundero to Inishannon every day. There are huge bushes and briars sticking out onto the road. In the early morning and evenings when it's dark, it is particularly dangerous. Dangerous. It is a lot, a lot, 
there is a lot of this land uh, just attached. It's on the land just attached to the riverbank. I know the road well, but I fear for people who may not know it. You would get some fright, particularly the darkness in the morning or in the evening time, if a bush suddenly slaps against the side of your car or uh, a jeep. So please, please be careful, particularly those who don't know the road very well. Dundara to Inishannon. Some, something needs to be done about cutting back the and we're at the time where you can cut back bushes and hedges. I wonder, Jerry, have you reported that to the council because they could get onto the landowner and see if they could get the landowner to do the necessary cutting back. And thank you to somebody who said, Patricia, that flower that you spoke about from Odlums, they Odlums stopped producing it in 2022. So anyone who has been managing to get their hands on it, it was just old stock. So yeah, I thought when I was looking online, it seemed to be out of stock everywhere that I looked uh, for. So they stopped producing it. Okay, Vera, it'll save. Vera is desperately trying to get her hands on it. You're going to have to find a different flower instead, uh, Vera. Thank you to that texter texting 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. JFC Pumps, they're based in Wilcham. They're looking for a water pumps and filtration service technician. Full on the job training will be provided. Experience is essential. CVs, please to info at jfcpumps.ie. Hamilton French are looking for construction workers. Now it's to strip out a house in Ballancolic. Safe pass and manual handling must be up to date. You can call Hamilton French on 083 0275750. Jones Agri Limited, they're in Bally Desmond. They've got a vacancy for a yard slash store person. Experience of driving a forklift or teleporter would be an advantage. Matthew, you contact 087 2946881. And Mitchellstown Community have a number of vacancies on their CE schemes for caretakers, retail assistants, cleaners, and receptionists at various locations in and around the Mitchellstown area. Now, if you qualify for community employment, please contact Kathleen Johnson on 087 4458582. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Recently, a peaceful protest and march was held outside the Department of Health with a plea to the government to reform eating disorder treatment services in this country. Amy Handley, whose daughter has been diagnosed with anorexia nervosa, was part of that protest and she joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Amy. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and thank you for taking time out uh, to talk to us. I really appreciate it. Now, you started a campaign called Mind Everybody and that was after watching your own uh, daughter uh, and how she was being treated. Can you just share a little bit of what you witnessed and what's wrong with the current system? Yeah, so I ended up calling it Mind Everybody because that was the main flaw that I saw with the system watching my daughter trying to get her care over the year was that there was no connection and service between physical health and mental health. So if she needed um, mental health, she would be either outpatient or in an inpatient psychiatric unit. But if she needed medical help, she was then transferred to a children's hospital to get the medical help. But when she was there, there was no therapy offered to her, which is you know, urgently needed for a mental health disorder like anorexia. 
So the complete disconnect, I felt like really lengthened her recovery time. Like if I felt like if her body and mind had been treated together, both the physical and the mental health, that it would have really helped her recovery process to be treated as a whole person instead of having, you know, different components of the disorder treated at different times. And is all the research there, Amy, that early intervention can and does make a difference in recovery rates? It is, yeah. Like, I mean, it's often quoted that early intervention is key. Um, But then that's one of the obstacles as well that we encountered. It took my daughter over a year um, to be seen off the comms waiting list. So, like, by the time we kind of noticed something was wrong and we were a bit concerned, and by the time she got a place in comms, I mean, she went from being concerning to needing hospitalization. So that one year, like, was really detrimental to her. And we, as parents, didn't know what to do. We didn't have a diagnosis at the time. So, you know, we didn't know if it was anorexia or disordered eating or ARFID. We had no idea. So we didn't know how to best support her during meals. Like, we just really didn't know how to help her. So like parental support during that time would have been crucial, like an earlier appointment for her would have been crucial. And we did have her in private therapy, um, but they're not eating disorder specialists. Yeah, and I just think it isn't often discussed, but eating disorders, people die from eating disorders, Amy. That's the thing. I mean, that's the, that's one of the quotes that always comes up as well. Is, is it's basically it's the deadliest mental illness because it affects your body so much. Um, but at the same time, like the treatment just isn't there for it. So considering it has like the biggest, you know, physical. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Impact on your body out of all the mental illnesses, like there really should be immediate and you know, whole body treatment for it. And eating disorders don't just affect the individual, the entire family is affected, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like the amount of time that I've had to take off work in the past year, I think I've taken four months off of work. Um, I'm planning to take this December unpaid off of work because tentatively um, she might be home um, in December. So like 
when she's not in school, she does need full-time care at home. And then the amount of times we've had to drive back and forth to different hospitals, to different inpatient facilities, the amount that we've had to pay in parking. And then I have an oldest daughter as well. She just turned 18. So that's time that I can't spend with her either. So it's, and, you know, of course she gets to see her sister in hospital getting presents and attention and she's at home and everyone kind of forgets (laughs) that she's here because, you know, so it, it really does affect the entire family. And how young was your daughter when you, when she first started to develop the eating disorder? So we think it was about when she was 13. Um, but we, again, as parents, we were a little, a little bit clueless. We had only kind of noticed she was getting a bit pickier with eating. And then, like, we, her friends kind of started telling us she wasn't eating lunch in school. And then we kind of paid more attention at dinner times and noticed, you know, most of the food would end up in the bin. So it's kind of at that stage that we realized, okay, there's a bit more maybe than picky eating. And so we got the appointment with the GP to get the referral um, to come. So I think she was about 14 at the time we got the referral to comms and then 15 um, when she was seen by comms. Crazy that she had to wait a year and those waiting lists are as long now, uh, unfortunately. unfortunately. Very hard as a mother, Amy, to watch your daughter go through that. It is like the, I can't even tell you like how helpless we felt because we felt like every, every time we tried to get help for her, we hit some kind of obstacle. So like the biggest issue we hit was when she was in Temple Street Hospital. Um, So she was in an inpatient unit for three months and then she was discharged home. And then less than a week later, she was in Temple Street Hospital And so when she was there, we kind of assumed she would go straight back to the inpatient unit because, you know, her bed was still hot, (laughs) theoretically speaking, like she had just just been discharged. Um, But then they wouldn't take her back saying that it was a catchment issue. And at the time, we had no idea it operated on a catchment basis because she was there previously. Uh, But they were kind of saying the hospital she was in before was in the catchment and the hospital she was in now was not in the catchment. So they wouldn't take her back. So basically, none of the um, inpatient facilities would accept her, um, partly because she was reliant on the NG tube for feeding. She she wasn't eating a lot orally at the time, and so she was reliant on the NG tube. Um, so we did try to go the private care route as well, like when none of the public facilities would take her, we tried private care. And at first, um, my insurance was saying it was a pre-existing condition because even though she wasn't diagnosed at the time I had insurance, she had symptoms. So she didn't qualify for private care. So we switched to um, a different insurance company and then she did qualify for private care. But then the private facility wouldn't take her because they don't have NG facilities. So there's that risk when she goes there, if she needs um, if she needs help eating with the NG tube, they would have to send her to a medical hospital. So we we basically just got stuck in Temple Street with nobody to help her. So we just we felt completely helpless, like we we couldn't do anything. Nobody would take her like she was just stuck in a children's hospital, which isn't the place for somebody with a mental illness. And all that they can do is is look after her physical side, not the mental side, which is causing the physical side. Exactly, yeah. And this was the obstacle, like this was the catch-22, was that she needed the mental support to be able to help her to eat orally again because it was a huge issue at this stage trying to get her to eat orally. So, but she didn't have that mental support then. And then like the psychiatric inpatient units, they wanted her to be eating orally in order for them to accept her. But like she couldn't eat orally without the psychiatric help. So she was just literally trapped. 
So it was extremely frustrating. We're coming into, uh, you know, Christmas period, which I always think of people with eating disorders and we normally have the group BodyWise uh, join us on the programme. This can be a very difficult time, can't it, for both the person with the eating disorder and their families because so much centres around food in this country at Christmas. Yeah, it is really difficult. Um, now I just had, we're, we're American, we were born in America, lived in Ireland eight years now, but I still celebrate Thanksgiving which is a huge, hugely food-focused event. You know, there's a massive amount of food. And my daughter was home for a visit over Thanksgiving. And so I gave her plenty of options. You know, I said, you don't have to come here if you don't want. You can go to your dad's that day. I said, or I can try and make it as easy as possible and, you know, hide all of the dishes so you don't actually see the amount of food. And, you know, I can help you make up the plate. Um, you know, we can watch TV at the same time. So it's just kind of being mindful that like that amount of food for somebody who's struggling, it is very difficult. So it's trying to not focus on the food, trying to focus on getting the family together, enjoying spending time together and, you know, just telling the person that you're aware that this is a really difficult day for them and just trying to support them and make it as easy for them as possible. Um, so God. it is hard, but just be, mu- be yeah. mindful of it. God help you all. God help you is all I can God say. It. It's really, really uh, difficult. So at the end of the day, Amy, what we need is more inpatient beds and more special specialised care. We simply don't have enough at the moment. Right, yeah. And the connection and services, reduced waiting lists, um, trained staff. I mean, I think that was the part um, I know in the news recently, Lindara's beds um, didn't reopen. That's one of the specialized inpatient units in Dublin. And the beds that were temporarily closed didn't reopen because they just can't recruit the staff. So recruiting and retaining staff is a huge issue as well. Okay. And, and I know you said your daughter's in the hospital. How is she doing at the moment? She's doing well at the moment. I don't want to jinx it, but she's, I know, she's, I know, ten- I know. she's tentatively sent for, set for discharge in December. Okay. So. Okay, listen, she's uh, lucky to have you. You're a fantastic advocate for her and indeed for others with the eating disorders. And uh, we thank you, Amy, for taking time out to talk to us. Thank you so much. Thanks. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Amy uh, Hanley. And as she says, she's started a fantastic campaign. Well worth, if you've got any interest, or you've got anyone in your family suffering with an eating disorder, Mind Everybody is the name of her campaign. And we wish Amy, and in particular her daughter, uh, well into the future. 0818 103 103. John Paul is taking your calls. A reminder to you that we are giving away daily prizes uh, this week of a family pass to the Everyman Panto for Saturday the 9th of December but we're not just sending you and a family of four to the Panto we're also throwing in a family pass to Leisureplex and a goodie bag on arrival at the theatre uh, we'll be telling you how you get into that competition soon Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie Now it was great to hear last week that a Cork charity had won a major award at a prestigious National Excellence Award Ceremony. Brighter Communities Worldwide, which is based in Cove, took the award for Small Charity, Big Impact, organised by the Charities Institute of Ireland. And to talk a little bit about the charity, I'm joined by Rose Hennessy and Rose is the Operations Manager. Good morning to you, Rose. 
Good morning, Patricia. And firstly, congratulations on uh, the award. It was a, a, a big, big uh, award uh, to win. Now, you work with communities in Kenya. So I suppose take us back and talk about how long has the charity been going and when and how was it initially set up? Sure. Uh, the charity's been going since 2002 when a group of women involved with Girl Guides went out to Kenya on a two-week project, which was always intended to be a one-off. But when they were there, they could see there was a huge need in the community for support. So it grew from there, really. There was another volunteer project went back in 2005. And then in the intervening decades, it has become a locally-led NGO. And in Ireland, then, we're a charity that support them. And we have a local staff team now of nearly 40 people out there who help, who make the the delivery of the programme. So we still have a volunteer aspect to it, which is hugely important, but it's not reliant on volunteers. It's locally led uh, with local staff at this stage. So outline the type of work that you do, because I was on over the weekend, I took a look at your website. You're, You're very much about empowering communities it's it's you know it's like that saying you know give a man a fish and you feed him for a day teach yes. him how to fish and, and and you feed him for life it's it's very much on that philosophy it isn't is it very much yeah and it's it's right across the community so like from when from before even a baby is born then we're supporting the mother through antenatal care in the clinics and in the hospitals then when the baby's born through vaccination programs and health clinics as they grow older into the schools then making sure the schools have clean water so that baby is going to grow up and, you know, be healthy and have water for hand washing and clean water for drinking. And then as they get older, all the supports required, like through secondary school, especially for girls to make sure they can stay in school because so many of them drop drop out early and it's like a vicious circle. Then they there's a huge rise in teenage pregnancies at the moment. So when that happens, the trajectory for a girl's life is completely changed and... We we try to support them so that they can still be independent and make their own choices even beyond the, the teenage pregnancy. Um, and then right the way through into adulthood as well, we we support the community all the way through education, economic empowerment and health. They're kind of our three main pillars. But um, it's about, as you say, empowering the community to recognise what their needs are for a start then to help them to figure out ways of addressing those needs. And their needs are so basic in comparison to ours in that it's things like clean water, they have no electricity, it's very, very rural, so the infrastructure for getting around or getting people to a clinic or a hospital if they're sick is, is really poor. Um, and there's no backup, you know, like when the cupboard is bare, it's bare. There's no sort mm. of support system. So it's very like developing any community, it's just the challenges are very different to um, what I might be used to myself. And in the 20 years since your charity has been set up, Rose, are you starting to witness a lot of positive change in Kenya? Um, definitely, yeah. And where, like, we work in a county called Creature County. Um, and I, you know, for myself, going back and forth, I would see big changes there in terms of people realising that they can actually make a difference by coming together and discussing, talking about issues. Like we do a life skills program, which is often the kind of entryway into working with a community and has modules on um, sexual and reproductive health, mental health, nutrition, maternal health, relationships, communication. You know, it's a really, really rich and um, interesting course. But it's 
oftentimes the first opportunity that men and women in the community have had to discuss issues that, you know, relate to um, their, their health and well-being. And, you know, if you don't talk about things... Mm. Then how nothing happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, do you still have Irish volunteers who would go out? We do, yeah. We do a, a volunteer project. The last month now we had 16 volunteers out there who um, spent two weeks with the communities. So they add capacity to what's already going on and they help the communities deliver different workshops like life skills. Or we two of the volunteers were from Mayo University Hospital. They were orthopaedic surgeons, so they did a lot of training Brilliant. But in the time they were there on trauma care. So uh, from the from an Irish point of view then here, it's fundraising is, is the big issue, is it? Is it's it, fundraising and volunteering and I suppose increasing awareness of what we do. Um, tomorrow is the biggest day in our fundraising calendar. It's Giving Tuesday tomorrow, November 28th. And we have the benefit of bonus funds through a foundation called Global Giving. Mm-hmm. So every donation that's made tomorrow will be eligible for bonus funds. The fund in total globally is $1.2 million. Wow. Now there's hundreds of charities yeah. involved, yeah. but it's like we're all sitting around the table with a big cake and it's $1.2 million and the more money up. we raise, the bigger will be our business. So, so anyone, so you're saying anyone who donates? It has to be online. Online, okay. Online tomorrow. And the project that we're fundraising for is to support adolescents in particular because they're really struggling at the moment with um, this massive rise in teenage pregnancy which comes out of a huge increase in sexual gender-based violence and then attached to that is an increase in the amount of HIV cases which is unusual because that was kind of more under control but in the last year or more, I think probably relating to the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, same as in lots of different parts of the world. So we're, we're, the project that we're fundraising for is to support them. So we'll kind of have training for them for setting up their own income generating projects, making sure that they're attached to health clinics and stuff, that they have the health that they health care that they That's need. Did, wait, was it your charity was highlighting a 10-year-old girl that was pregnant? That's right, yeah. Like the the biggest statistic, the scariest one I've heard is that 27% of the girls and women in antenatal care who like presented for antenatal care were aged between 10 and 19. Oh my God. Like that's awful, isn't it? Oh my God. Yeah. A little 10 year old girl. That is shocking. That yeah, is truly, is. truly so uh, shocking. Sad. Yeah. So for people to donate tomorrow for Giving Tuesday, where do they need to, can they log on to your own website or... Yep, if they log on to our own website, they'll see um, on our homepage, there'll be a slider and it'll link them to uh, the donation link. Or if they uh, log on to our Facebook, our Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, we'll have it across everything from tomorrow morning. Okay, brighter communities uh, communities worldwide. worldwide. I I can absolutely see now, having spoken with you, Rose, and having looked at your work on your website, why you got that small charity, but big impact. (laughs) Well, we've... We have a fantastic community of supporters and donors and volunteers and really it's through them that we can have the big impact. Um, so, you know, we're very grateful to them for that. And so much so that tomorrow, because we're based in Cove, we're offering local businesses and anyone working from home in Cove, we'd love to deliver to them a home-baked treat for their coffee morning break. And people can so contact you how? They can contact me personally um, on 086 
Okay. Listen, continue. And we'll organise that. We'll deliver to their to their desk so they can have a nice home bake treat when well done. they're working in the morning for a donation. Well done. <laughs> uh, obviously. Yeah. Please, please give us something. Yeah. Listen, it's it's a brilliant, brilliant charity, Brighter Communities Worldwide. We wish you continue good luck with it and once again congratulations on your award uh, last week. And thanks uh, for joining us this morning, Rose. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Let me go to some of your commentary calls and comments that will be coming into the programme this morning. Firstly, can we give a shout out for Una, who lost a, what she describes as a very sentimental nine carat gold horseshoe bangle bracelet. Now, she lost it in Mitchellstown. It was somewhere between Clongibbon and Supervalue. Now, Una's daughter put it up on Facebook that uh, her mum had lost this this particular bracelet. And somebody commented to say that they had seen it a bracelet that matched that description and it had been placed on the top of a bin in Mitchellstown yesterday morning. So, of course, the minute they got that message, they went to the bin location, but unfortunately the bracelet was no longer on the bin. Now, what we're hoping is that somebody put it on the bin thinking, oh, somebody's lost that, they'll come back for it. Somebody then spotted it and when they saw Una's daughter went on Facebook and said, oh, I've just spotted it, it's on the bin. And then in the meantime, somebody passed and said, ah, that's a nice bracelet. I'll put that, you know, I'll take it away. I'll look after it for the owner. Maybe they've handed it in uh, somewhere or maybe they've just taken it home and they're looking after it. So if anybody found a nine carat gold horseshoe bangle bracelet, as I say, last seen on top of a bin in Mitchellstown yesterday morning, we have all of Una's details. And this bracelet is of huge, huge sentimental value. So we'd love to get Una reunited with the bracelet. Give John Paul a call if you can help us with that, please. 0818 103 103. Now, some of your thoughts coming in. We mentioned uh, facial recognition and the fact that the government is planning now on fast tracking facial recognition and the idea would be if the Gardaí at the moment had face recognition uh, technology they would very quickly be able to identify the thugs and the criminals who created so much destruction on our city street, on our capital city last uh, Thursday. Uh, Carmen says, uh, Patricia, what good would it be if the Gardaí wore facial recognition cameras when the criminals can cover their faces with masks and hoodies and basically then they're unrecognisable? Well, I think the facial recognition is not to do with the body cams even though that's been spoken about again. I still can't believe that our Gardaí when every other guard the nearly police forces, so many police forces around the world have body cams. This isn't about the body cams. This is about the facial recognition technology at the moment as we speak. There are, I don't know how many members of Angarda Siakana are literally just trawling through all the CCTV footage. You know, there was a huge amount of CCTV footage of the rioting and the looting that went on in Dublin. But they have to go through that frame by frame in order to try to identify some of the people that were involved. So yes, while you saw people out on the streets with their you know, their hoods up and their masks up, but at various stages they dropped the hood, they dropped the mask. And that's where if you've got facial recognition technology and they've previous convictions, they get picked up much, much more quicker than the Gardaí trying to go through it uh, frame by uh, frame. But they do need to have the body cameras for sure. 0818 103 103 on the rise of the far right in this country. And we're not talking about people who've got concerns uh, about immigration. We're talking about the genuine far right. And there is a lot of it building in this country and there's a lot of it building, particularly online. Pat says, you are right. We are seeing an increase uh, in this country on the far right. Pat says five years before 
World War II. Hitler set up his far right movement and God knows we all know what happened in that short five years. Uh, the same could happen now. And what about Netanyahu in Israel? Would he go to war with them, says Pat. So Pat has concerns and we the far right is not just rising in this country, it's rising in other countries as well, unfortunately. Dan says, Patricia, this is to do with the writing. We are currently sending up to 200 very well-trained Irish soldiers to Lebanon and we send them there for peacekeeping uh, duties. We also have a detention centre which is based at the Curra camp. Would it not be better to keep the 200 well-trained soldiers at home and incarcerate the thugs who caused such distress. Until we do that, they will only get worse. Equally, how many countries can you go through customs with no passport, says Dan, that needs to be looked at. See, I think the problem when you arrive at immigration in any country, because, well, countries that follow international law, once you say you're claiming asylum, that's what happens then. That's when the asylum process kicks in. And of course, in this country, we have a problem in that our asylum system takes too long. We don't have holding areas, which other people are suggesting, which happens in other countries. If you go, for example, into Australia and you don't have a passport and you say you're claiming uh, international uh, protection. I know they were using a place called Christmas Island. I don't know if they still are, but they have detention centres where people are held until they get processed. And then it's either a yay or a nay. They'll give them asylum or else they'll send them back to their country of origin. We don't do that in this country and we don't have facilities uh, to do that in this um, uh, country. Um, And actually on the soldiers, I saw in the papers today, there was a group of them came home. I'm assuming it was back from Lebanon. I just saw the gorgeous pictures in the paper. Welcome home, Dad, you know, for for the kids. And I just thought, oh, what a great Christmas they'll have having their their daddy back uh, with them. Anyway, I digress. Pat in Limerick says, Patricia, the government are totally responsible for what's happening with society at the moment. They've left everything go too far. They've allowed in too many refugees and then there's the genuine foreign workers. Unfortunately, they are now being targeted particularly by this far-right element and that simply is the government's fault. They're shifting all the blame away from themselves and they're twisting things around to suit them. It's all about the riots on Thursday night and nothing about those innocent children and their minder who were stabbed in the middle of the day. This could have been any of our children in any part of the country at the moment. Uh, the guy, and you know, we're, we're still waiting, he's, he's still in hospital, uh, Uh, But the story at the weekend was he should have been deported years ago, but he was kept here because he appealed and uh, NGOs uh, got involved. It's also reports that he was before the courts on a knife charge a few months ago. And then it's the far right and the concerned people of Ireland who are to blame. This has to stop. And resignations are required and that's from Pat in Limerick and I know there has been certainly a big call on the Justice Minister. She's under a lot of pressure. There's been big calls for her to uh, resign and also Drew Harris, the Commissioner of the Police Force, he's also under pressure to uh, resign. So I'm assuming there are some of the resignations that Pat in Limerick is looking for. 0818103103. Hold off on your texts at the moment because we've got our competition running and if you send a text in the middle of the competitions uh, it, it, we, it gets lost. Your comment will get lost. So hold off on that until we have our winner for uh, today. Now, I mentioned the boxing and I mentioned uh, Katie Taylor and uh, Katie Taylor's big uh, win. And I spoke about her little face the, the next day. And, you know, if you were tuned my way last week, you'll know I'm, I can't watch female bo- boxing. That's not taking from it. I know it's a sport. And, you know, somebody like Katie Taylor trains so hard for it. But I just, and seeing her mother there, how her mother, must 
must be very difficult to watch your daughter getting, you know, so badly punched and beaten and to see her little face at the press conference afterwards, her eye all swollen and her cheek and all swollen and I imagine will be swollen for a good few weeks to come anyway. And then I mentioned that there's now the big push for Katie Taylor to have a, a third match against uh, Cameron and Chantelle Cameron and to have it in Croke Park and of course the idea about having it in Croke Park more people would be able to uh, attend. Tim makes an interesting point. He says I was out of reach of C103 yesterday so I had to listen to another radio station listening to one of the national broadcasters and I was impressed with the sports commentator you know the wonderful Des Cahill who reminded listeners that the promoter Eddie Ahern and he's the one who's really pushing to get Katie Taylor into uh, Croke Park Tess said Eddie Ahern saw an opportunity to make more money for himself and he would have gotten it from the efforts of the Irish government, Croke Park and Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor will be six months closer to her 38th birthday if this third fight goes ahead, then having to make the weight limit and take more punishment. Remember, she won on Saturday night, but it was a majority decision. So that means one judge gave the verdict against Katie. She should have retired two years ago. Think of the recent deaths of soccer player, even in advanced years and falling to dementia. Eddie O'Hearn won't take any of the blows to his head, says Tim. Yeah, and while Eddie O'Hearn is really pushing for Katie Taylor to get this big, and it would be, it certainly would be her last uh, match, but you wonder how much more pounding the girl can take. And, you know, Tim is right. The effort that goes into to the training leading up to a match. It's gruelling on the body what these athletes and what these boxers go through and then ultimately to be inside in the ring and you'd hate to think, God, you'd hate to think of uh, her getting seriously uh, injured. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, Eddie Ahern is a boxing promoter. It is his business and he ultimately will be somebody who'd make a lot of money um, uh, from it and he's uh, as soon as Katie won the the match. He was out saying he will do everything that he can to secure Croke Park as a venue for the possible uh, rematch, the trilogy match against Cameron. And he said it will be sometime next next year. I mean, I think they're looking at a, a summer venue, so she would be closer to uh, thirty eight. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Our lines are open. John Paul taking your calls. The C one zero three Cork Diary with Cork County Council reminding you to support local when choosing gifts this Christmas. Paris Jock Charity Shop, they are in Dunmanway. They are accepting donations of clothes, shoes, bed linen, and it's to help in their endeavours to support families in need this Christmas. If you have any unwanted items, please drop them into the shop. You, they, you, you can call them at 086 408 to arrange a convenient time. Shambhali Moore Bingo will be on tomorrow night. Shambhali Moore Community Centre. They have a jackpot of €3,000. That'll be a nice win before Christmas in 47 calls or less come along uh, as everyone is welcome to Shambhali Moore and your support is truly appreciated. IRD Do Hollow Rural Community Health Project, they're holding a safe talk on suicide awareness for everyone. It's on Wednesday morning at half past nine. If you'd like more information you can contact Dennis at IRD Do Hollow 029 60633 and the more the merrier chat group there's have a monthly get together will be in Gert Vera Hall in Ballinine. That's happening on Thursday at half past 
seven and all are welcome. And Friday, which is the 1st of December, social dancing will be held in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic. Music will be by Tim Joe and Anne. Dancing from nine until midnight. Admission 10 euro. And it does include teas. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. On C103. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And you can stop texting us on our Everyman Panto competition. Huge, huge reaction uh, to this competition. We will be doing it all week. We have a daily prize to give away. So if you didn't win today, you'll have a chance to win tomorrow. But our winner today is Burr Sheehan, liar in Carrick Navarre. Congratulations uh, to you, Burr. And by the way, we were accepting both Blarney Castle and Black Rock Castle. Burr went for Blarney. And the reason we were accepting Blarney because Blarney is now part of the city since the boundary extension but we were accepting either Blackrock or uh, Blarney so congratulations Burr you have won the family pass for four of you to go see Beauty and the Beast it's Saturday December the 9th and there's also a family pass for four to go bowling at the Leisureplex on McCurtain Street and there's a goodie bag on arrival at the theatre and by the way uh, tickets are now available if you want to buy tickets to the pantomime which runs from the 2nd of December everyman.com for more details and we'll do it all over again tomorrow and indeed every day this week and just on an act of uh, kindness and an act of honesty I suppose more than uh, kindness Mary contacted us to say she was doing a little bit of shopping in Dunn stores in Mallow last Friday morning but 10am in the morning Friday busy busy time a lot of people get out and about and do their shopping and she said actually the store was very busy anyway uh, she left to go to another store and when she got into the other store she realised oh goodness I've left my handbag behind and she she realised she'd left it on the trolley and God knows we've all done that so a major panic got straight back to Dunn's she said the staff at Dunn's stores in Mallow were fantastic there was a young lad who straight away brought her back to the till area to see maybe she'd left it in the till area or maybe somebody had handed it in there was a manager at the door he got involved and said try the smaller grocery till it might be there and as they were walking over she said another young lad another Dunn's stores worker says lost handbag is it and luckily it it was, uh, it was Mary's uh, handbag. Now she doesn't know the person that handed it in but whoever it was, somebody spotted it on the trolley, went back into the store handed it in and she just wants to say thank you to that anonymous person. They didn't even leave a name or anything but also a particular thank you to the staff at Dunn Stores who really really helped her which is fantastic. Well done everyone and I love to see that kind of honesty. If we can have now, so if we can find that gold bracelet that we're looking for that was lost in Mitchellstown. It will kind of round off the day nicely. Okay, we're going to open the texts and the WhatsApps now for Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, because she's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes. So if you've got a question for Annalise, you can either call John Paul at 0818 103 103 or you can text her WhatsApp to 086 103 103. And last week on the programme we spoke, I think it was last Friday, wasn't it? We spoke with uh, Dermot Good of totalhealthcover.ie and we were talking about health insurance health insur- and the premiums and this is the time of the year when I think a million people get their their premiums need to be renewed. It's either in December or the start of January and I fall into uh, that category and Dermot was saying, you know, check 
go on one of the websites uh, you can go with a company like him and they'll do the hard work for you if you want to do it yourself you can go on to the hia.ie and you can compare the different plans because there's just so many plans I still can't work out why they need to make it so complicated but anyway all the providers do and it isn't just one provider every single provider must have 50 or more uh, different plans and it can be a bit of a nightmare so you need to bring your A game and be patient and put the time and the effort in anyway when I went home on uh, Friday I got my renewal was in for our insurance policies now there would be three of us on our health insurance because obviously we've got Marsha on private health insurance even though she's fit as a fiddle but she'd just always be worried if something went wrong and she needed uh, to get care and get it fast and when the renewal came in you know I was expecting an increase I was thinking okay maybe 150 euro it'll go up by 50 euro each but it was gone up by nearly 700 euro I was thinking oh, hang on a tick that's a bit saucy so I went on to the comparison website uh, straight away and I and with the same company I got I checked and I found very very similar policy a couple of things uh, different but it was actually some pluses to the new one over the old one and it was actually coming in at about €300 Euro cheaper than what I paid last year. So I was thinking, oh, overall I'd be saving about €1,000. So I did exactly what Dermot said. I rang them. I asked them to go through the differences between the two policies, the pluses and the negatives. And of course, I had all of the positives in front of me as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, they are salespeople. But I've ended up saving. I've ended up saving a small amount over what I paid last year. But overall, I probably saved the bones of €1,000. Now, it took work. You do have to put the work into it. I will say that. But uh, if you're anyway handy on the internet, and you can get on and once you know the name of the policy you're with and then you can do a comparison with uh, a few others and just it's just to make sure that you've got similar cover I think that's what we all fear when we change either one provider or change from one plan to another so and listen any anywhere we can save with the cost of living living and everything going up at the moment but in the papers uh, today there is kind of good news when it comes to our electricity because it looks like some competition is coming back into the energy uh, market because you know the new player that we spoke about, the new utility uh, electricity provider, this is uh, Uno Energy. They have now announced a new fixed rate that's 5% cheaper than their lowest uh, rate and this new rate will mean that it's offering, it will be about €430 below the standard rate offered by any of the other suppliers and it's hoped now that Uno Energy has made this move because we know what happens once one go and start doing reductions it'll spark a new round of reductions from all of the larger uh, rivals. Now they have already done some uh, price cuts uh, during uh, the year but this one now might spark it again and might get them because Uno is coming in cheaper than all of the others and I saw Dara Cassidy who regularly uh, joins us on the programme he's from the price comparison website bonkers.ie he said that this latest cut price price offer and the return of discounts to the market um, they will now uh, he's hoping it'll be a return of competition he said if it happens it'll be the first time after two years of uh, hikes there was huge expectations uh, this week also that there will be a little bit of good news when it comes to inflation 
because on Wednesday and Thursday, data from Ireland followed by the wider EU area, it looks set to show that November uh, will have clocked up the smallest annual increases in prices and that's since mid-2021. Uh, so we wait some good news uh, on that. But certainly good news from Uno who are saying another 5% off their lowest rate. Now other suppliers, uh, Flowgas, they announced a 30% reduction. That was in electricity and natural gas and they're also reducing their standard charges but their rates are higher than their rivals. So even though when a company come out and say 30%, it's 30% off what was a very high figure. So even when you reduce that, there are still cheaper plans on the market. Pinergy, they announced two electricity price reductions this year so far. However, energy prices this year are still going to remain at historically high levels. Derek Cassidy said households can ease the burden of that by switching supplier and trying to avail of the cheapest tariff that's available on the market. And of course, we know uh, the budget announced that there's three electricity credits and this will help this certainly will help with the bills uh, in total the government giving three, 450 euro towards the cost of our electricity the first credit will go in this Friday the 1st of December then 150 euro will follow on the 1st of January and the third and final 150 euro will go into your accounts on the 1st of March and of course you don't have to do anything about it and I know there's text messages during the rounds asking people to click on the link to get your energy credit from the government. It's an absolute scam so just delete that text. You don't have to do anything. It, it was similar to the €600, Euro, wasn't it, last year. It'll just go automatically onto your electricity provider. Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic joining us on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. Please. And you're very welcome. Lots of questions in for you. I'm going to put two questions in together because they are uh, similar. Kathleen was on uh, looking for any supplements that will help reduce blood pressure and another listener is on as well. Any natural remedy to reduce blood pressure. This other listener is on a tablet at the moment but she hates taking meds and will prefer a more natural route, lowering blood pressure. Okay, well the first thing I would say, Patricia, is that actually elevated blood pressure is dangerous. It's not like cholesterol which takes time to cause problems for the heart but blood pressure, high blood pressure uncontrolled is dangerous. And there are natural supplements that can help but realistically speaking, they're going to be they're not going to be as effective and they're not going to be as dependable as taking a medication. So I think that it's it's not good to come off medication and try and manage your blood pressure naturally. If you wanted to think about taking um, giving up tablets, you could take some natural stuff alongside your medication and then make sure that you're measuring your blood pressure on a regular basis. And if you notice it's dropping, then you can certainly talk to your doctor about reducing it. But um, you don't want to have uncontrolled blood pressure. Patricia puts a huge strain on the heart. Um, and that, you know, if the heart muscle becomes enlarged and damaged over time, that's not something that can be fixed either. So um, the natural remedies typically would be, the first thing I would definitely recommend anyway is a fish oil. And the reason I recommend that is because for blood pressure is because it thins the blood. So if your blood is nice and thin, it'll flow beautifully through your veins. And also, it can help your veins and arteries be more flexible in a roundabout way. So it's going to do, do those two jobs. Plus, it's all the lovely natural anti-inflammatory properties um, that it has as well. So I would definitely take a fish oil. And you're looking for at least, um, you're probably looking for about 500 milligrams of EPA and at least 250 milligrams of DHA. They're the different types of omega-3 that you get in the oils. So uh, the, the brand that we love here is the Unocardio, 
um, and you also get your vitamin D with that as well, so it covers you for that. The other typical things for blood pressure would be hawthorn, which is a herb that is very tonifying for all of the vascular tissues, so your veins, your arteries, your capillaries. It's great for diabetes as well because it keeps those tiny little capillaries that go out to fingers and toes very healthy. It's another one I'd recommend for people with Raynaud's as well. So hawthorn is excellent. Magnesium can help hugely as well um, because in terms of relaxing muscles and arteries. Um, And coenzyme Q10 is another one that can help. And Terra Nova actually have a, a, a blood pressure product with all of those in there. Um, and it is called, I think, Magnesium Hawthorne and Coenzyme Q10. And then there is another product that Vogel do with just Hawthorne in there with garlic, and garlic has the blood thinning effect of that. So you could try those, but make sure you're monitoring your blood pressure and um, that it's not, you know, that it's coming down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't think about giving your medication up lightly because there are side effects to that. Okay, question for Annalise, please. Over the last two months or so, I have been on very strong uh, painkillers. I can see from a pre- previous text, the sister had an, had an injury. So they were on strong painkillers and anti-inflammatories. Off them all now, thankfully. But I'm finding my stomach is still quite upset from all of the medication. I took some BioCult that I had at home and it did, it did help. Um, uh, but I find now I'm back to square one. I'm wondering, do I start again and how long should I take it for and how long should I stay on it to settle my stomach? And your stomach does get upset by a lot of painkillers, wouldn't it, and anti-inflammatories? Absolutely. Well, there's the anti-inflammatories, particularly the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, are very damaging. And there's lots of clinical evidence for that. They do cause inflammation in the gut, in the stomach lining uh, particularly. So everything is probably feeling a bit raw. There's a couple of different things that can help here. Biocult definitely would help because that'll help put the good bacteria in further down, but it's not really going to do anything for the healing of that inflamed and damaged tissue in the gut. So the best things to take for that would be things like um, L-glutamine is one natural remedy, marshmallow and gamma arisenol. These are all really, really good. Um, If you feel it particularly in your stomach, the best thing for that is probably mastic gum. So in terms of supplements, there is a great one made by a company called Nature's Plus and it's called GI Natra, um, G-I-N-A-T-R-A. And it has got a combination of lots of different things in there for gut healing, including a probiotic. So it's an all-in-one supplement. The other one that I love is um, by Nutri-Advanced, and it's called Gastroflux, and that's another really lovely healing one. And that kind of does, you know, all the way through the the, 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 uh, the system. But if it's the stomach, specifically for mastic gum, there's a company called BioNutri. We get great feedback on this product, Patricia, and it's actually mastic gum complex. So there's a few other bits and pieces in there for gut healing as well. And how long would you have to stay on it? I would suggest, you see, it depends really on how long you were on painkillers. I would Normally, I just say rule of thumb for gut healing, three months. But you could stop after two months and see how you feel. But if you're still feeling a little bit of acid or a little bit of pain or, you know, if your stool is any way negatively affected, take another month of it. But definitely three months should do it, no problem. Mm, it's one of the reasons for anything with an anti-inflammatory, they say to eat with it, don't they, to take food at the same yeah, time? It's very harsh on your stomach. stomach. In yeah. actual fact, what I would recommend people to do is, I would recommend people to take um, slippery elm when they're on those because that will line the stomach but it won't affect the way the anti-inflammatory Anti works. Absorbed. Yeah, 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 that's good advice. Okay, Pat in Bantry, question for Annalise, please. Uh, my partner has a, a condition called Roatia, which gets worse when the radiators are on all 
all the time. We had great success using Viper cream in the past, but it's now hard to get. Could Annalise suggest a treatment for Roatia? That's reddening of the skin, is it? It is. Uh, rosacea, I think. Rosacea. Is, yeah. Um, so it's kind of, it would be, some people get it as just manifest as very, very red, kind of like it almost looks like inflamed capillaries nearly in a butterfly shape around the cheeks and around the nose but some people do get spots with it and acne with it um, and it can get very very aggravated and inflamed generally with rosacea it's coming from the inside and I would say nine times out of ten people who've got rosacea have stomach issues Um, so I think supporting the gut is in the long term is the best way this person has been very lucky that they managed it with that cream and that does work for some people so the ones that have worked here in the shop for people, I'll, I'll mention a couple. The first one is Salcura Antiac, and that comes as a wash, and you can also get a spray, and then you can actually get a spot treatment cream as well. So it's really good for rosacea, but it's also fantastic for you know teenagers or anybody who suffers from acne, and it's all natural. Um, some people um, gave us good feedback on a, a product called Poco, um, and they do um, they have cannabis oil in their serums, so you could try that. Um, the other one that's fantastic as well is a product called Rosalique. And uh, we actually discovered how well this worked, uh, Patricia, when a wife brought her husband in two days before her daughter was getting married with a huge breakout of rosacea. And we used a tester sample to, to do him up with the Rosalique. And it actually covered it up beautifully so much now that he is a regular customer. <laughs> but it actually takes the anger out of it and it covers it up beautifully for you. But it also helps heal at the same time. So you could try one of those three. Okay, well done. Hi, Annalise. Can statins and blood pressure tablets cause anxiety? The reason I ask is when I take mine, I seem to get restless and jittery just for about a half an hour afterwards. Is there a herbal remedy that could help? Yeah, possibly, Patricia, there would be. I mean, I wonder would it be, so if it was the blood pressure medication Blood pressure medication, if it's a diuretic, does affect the way that your kidneys get rid of um, things like magnesium and potassium and sodium through the kidneys. So if there was an imbalance in those, that would definitely lead to kind of that restless leg feeling. And then a statin possibly could cause it, but generally I think the side effects of that could be more long-lasting. So I know this is just me purely speculating here, Patricia. I'd say it's more likely to be the blood pressure medication. So you could try maybe taking... Um, a magnesium uh, tablet with it but I would say if it's only for half an hour if you can live with it and it goes away I wouldn't worry about it too much but if it becomes more prolonged start with something like magnesium a low dose something maybe even like magnesium um, citrate would be good and magnesium malate they're pretty good for for restless legs so um, and they come in generally you wouldn't want to take any more than 100 milligrams if you're taking it in and around the same time as your blood pressure medication Okay, hi Annalise. My daughter has very greasy hair. Even after washing it regularly, she's using tea gel shampoo at the moment. Any other suggestions? Um, that's an interesting one now, Patricia, because like some people do just get very greasy hair, but they tend to have kind of greasy, oily skin as well. Um, I would think that possibly the, maybe the, the hair follicles are producing too much sebum, sebum in a reaction to something. I tend to find that shampoos with sodium laurel sulfate in there have the worst um, effect on people if they are intolerant to sodium laurel sulfate. So that would give you greasy hair possibly, but maybe flaky scalp as well or itchy scalp. Some people even get little spots on their scalp. 
So I think the first thing I'd recommend is switch over to a natural shampoo with no sodium laurel sulfate. And I know that a company called Avalon, they do um, an apple cider vinegar one, which would be lovely for greasy hair. The other thing that she could do is she could just do a rinse with something like apple cider vinegar. And if, it, if she doesn't like the smell, you could put in a few drops of essential oil, uh, not a lot. And, and that might help um, manage the grease. And if that doesn't work, then I suppose I, I think you probably need to go for um, something that has, you know, quite strong that strips the hair of oils, which would be, I think you probably get products like that in boots. Yeah, and, and I don't know if this is of any help to the listener, because I don't know what age the daughter is, but I remember as a teenager, I used to have very greasy hair and I kind of grew out of it. Definitely. And that's very typical with teenagers, because, of course, it's the whole um, puberty and the yeah, hormones. Yeah. So, um, but generally, Patricia, you'd have probably have maybe a greasy skin and oily skin at the same time. So we don't know if this is the case with this person. It could be a hormonal thing. And maybe just a little bit of hormone balance and liver, liver support could help there as well, um, especially if there's other kind of symptoms. So there are products, things like um, monthly support by Nature's Plus and PM support by um, the Natural Health Practice are specifically designed to kind of help young people balance hormones. But more if they've got kind of PMT coming up to their period, mm. uh, it might have a knock-on effect on the hair, possibly. OK, one final one for Dennis. Can Annalise can suggest any supplement to increase energy? Uh, Dennis describes himself as feeling tired a lot, particularly over the past number of weeks. He's taking vitamin B and vitamin C supplement daily, but it doesn't seem to be making a huge amount of difference. I always think a tonic at this time of the year, Patricia, is great because I do think that we are starting to get a bit run down and life is very busy and your body is fighting a lot of coughs and colds and viruses. So I, the first go-to I always recommend is the Source of Life Gold because there is a bit of ginseng in it. So that can give you a great energy boost. I get a great kick from that. Um, and I'd nearly always do uh, uh, a month of it around this time of the year. Um, if, if it's only a kind of a temporary slump in energy, ginseng is fantastic just to give you an instant energy boost. And it's not the kind of energy jittery that you'd get from caffeine but it does help keep you kind of awake and motivated and keeps you going. Um, and that's great as well, especially if you've got a very stressful life because it also helps to support the adrenal glands. So that could be another alternative is just to get yourself some good quality ginseng. Terra Nova do a beautiful range of products with different ginsengs in there. And my absolute favourite one of them is called Dynamic Synergy. And you don't need to take it every day. You can just take it on the days where you feel a little bit tired. Okay. Listen, have a lovely week. And uh, as always, a pleasure. Thanks for that. That's Annalise Drussell, Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. As heard on the radio, we'll go up on her website this afternoon, healthhubstore.com. And John Paul will put it up as a a separate podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. So that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. He's got loads of Christmas songs. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie